Welcome to episode 75 of the Mountain Land Running Medicine Podcast. I'm your host, Brian Heiderscheidt from University of Wisconsin Sports Medicine. And unfortunately, our normal co-host, Jeremy Stoker, is not able to join us this morning. Uh, so we will look for him to come back for our 76th episode next month. As always, send questions and feedback to podcast at mlrehab.com. We always look forward to hearing your comments as well as uh, recommendations for future guests. Today, we are joined by Nicola Ralph from Edge Hill University in the UK to discuss running shoes and injury prevention. Dr. Ralph is a senior lecturer in the Faculty of Health, Social Care, and Medicine at Edge Hill University. Her current research focus is musculoskeletal injuries in both active and inactive populations. Dr. Ralph has a specific interest in lower limb injuries and people beginning physical activity for the first time with a focus on injury prevention strategies. She's currently working on a project that will collect prevalence and incidence injury data from novice running participants who undertake the Couch to 5K program and is also conducting research on Park Run, a free weekly 5K event. Dr. Ralph is lead author on a Cochrane review entitled Running Shoes for Preventing Lower Limb Running Injuries in Adults, which is the focus of our discussion today. Welcome, Nicola, and thank you for joining us. Hello. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Uh, very much appreciate you taking the time on, especially with the with the time zone differences we're dealing with. It's uh, it's your afternoon and our morning, so appreciate you squeezing us in. No worries. So obviously, running shoes and injury prevention is a big topic because yeah. many runners feel like running shoes are are a key element to either their running success or keeping them injury free, or many times creating injuries that yeah. they sure. previously didn't have. So yeah. you know, having a Cochrane review on this is fantastic. And we'll get into what, what what does it mean to have a Cochrane review, but maybe let's just kick it off with a bit of, of for our listeners, a bit of your background and where your initial interest in this general area came from. Yeah, sure. Um, so I did my uh, undergrad degree and master's degree in uh, sports science and focused on biomechanics. So I've always had more of an interest in the injury prevention side of biomechanics than the um, performance, increasing performance, just out of interest. I'm a sports keen sports person myself, so always getting injured, obviously lower limb, limb stuff. Played, I played football quite a lot cyclist little bit of running but I wouldn't class myself as a runner and um you know you get these injuries fairly frequently when you're mm -hmm. when you're out and about doing things um so from my kind of academic work um I felt like we could look at some of these things can we prevent any of these injuries um and recently I've just started to look at like as you said runners that maybe aren't are quite new to physical activity or new to running and couch 5k is probably a program you might have heard of but mm -hmm. it's it's aimed at kind of people that maybe don't exercise at all um, and getting them into running and, and hopefully at the end of it being able to run 5k and when I was kind of collecting some data with these these group of people lovely people coming to try, you know trying to start some exercise they would ask me as kind of the expert of what trainer should I buy what what footwear mm -hmm. should I be wearing um how much should I be spending do I need to go and get my feet measured and all this all these things and um I kind of felt like a little bit of a oh well, uh, I didn't really know what to say because obviously as you say a lot of people and, and me myself would think well you've got to wear the right footwear you've got to you know spend probably a little bit of money um on getting the right footwear and the right trainers and so people were asking me for for their advice so I thought oh I'll go and see what what actual evidence we've got out there because biomechanically I kind of know the theory behind footwear um and when I started looking into it I realized that there wasn't actually that many um mm -hmm. studies that have looked at injuries that actually captured the injury as well as looking at what potential effects footwear can have so I thought hold on this is you know maybe a little bit of an interesting thing to, to look at since we know how many billions of dollars are uh, you know put into footwear and running shoes and you can right. spend I think I think one person that was running you know just started running it's 
spent maybe more than a hundred pounds on a pair of, of foot, footwear running shoes and um I obviously didn't have the evidence there to say mm-hmm. you've bought the wrong pair or um you shouldn't spend that much or indeed if everybody else should have been spending that much so um yeah just a little bit of my own kind of interest in it um and from the biomechanics point of view um we kind of thought well maybe we need to kind of put some evidence together here and see what we know um so that's how it all came about the interest and I just felt you know I thought a bit like I should be more informed if I'm doing research in this area I should be more informed about it when people are coming up and asking you and I know the big business that it's in and mm-hmm. people walk into a sports shop and and spend quite a lot of money on these shoes um, trainers and things so yeah that's where it all started from really um working oh, that's with these great. people yeah 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 I think so many times that's where some of the best projects come from, right? Is those interactions with some with your with your research participants and realizing, hey, this is a whole other area that I didn't originally anticipate, but there's clearly a need that has to be addressed here. Yeah, definitely. It happens a lot. I think that you're talking to the people that hopefully your research is going to impact and they come up with the best ideas for research. Um, yeah. So still carried on with the project that we've been looking at. Sure. Um, but this is, yeah, of, of the offside, I went and spoke to some some of my profs and research mentors and, and they kind of said, well, yeah, go for it. Have a look, sit, have, you know, have a look at Cochrane and see yeah. um, what's out there. So that's actually a really good segue then into kind of this concept for our listeners to understand between a system, a standard systematic review that you might find in a number of journals versus a Cochrane level systematic review. So what, what is it? How did you end up developing a Cochrane systematic review? Right, because I think you have to apply for it, or, get, or basically get permission, if I understand it right. Yeah, um, that's right. So um, I kind of was trying to search for a Cochrane review in this area, and there was actually one published in 2011, I think, um, by Young, mm-hmm. um, and they'd kind of looked at all injury prevention approaches, so uh, exercises, modifying mm-hmm. training, orthosis, and mm-hmm. footwear and socks as well. So I looked at that, and it I noticed it was 2011. I thought possibly Cochrane might want that updated. So I originally just um, contacted the Cochrane group, um, Bone Joint and Muscle Trauma group. So obviously Cochrane at the moment are based in lots of different groups um, and just said, I've noticed that it's, you know, a little bit out of date. Would you, would any, would, would you like me to update it or would you like me to contact the author and, and offer to update with them? Um, and they actually came back to me and said, mm, we don't really want an update on that, but we would like you to look at this. And they said, would you be interested in doing one on just focusing on running shoes and runners? So obviously that's what I was interested yeah. in. So I said, yeah, sure. So yeah, you're right. Normally you have to kind of approach the Cochrane group and, and say, I've got an idea for a, a review. What do you think about about this um or you need to select one off of their kind of wish list as such okay. so they have like a wish list and you can say i want to do that one but because they kind of came back to me and said um would you be interested in doing this one i was like yeah so i mean it still wasn't a given you had to um put together a team so they, you need certain expertise on your team you need to have obviously some academics um actual practitioners um so um some either orthopedic surgeons or podiatrists um and so they can see the application of it um, and then you normally need some sort of statistician or person yeah. that can do the meta-analysis for you so you have to fill in yeah that's the first thing you do your title proposal form then that gets accepted hopefully or they might come back with some suggestions um, and then you have to put your protocol together um, so this is why it's a little bit more structured I, I, right. I su- suspect than um, some systematic reviews you have to follow the Cochrane protocol um, you have to follow their guidelines and put in exactly what it is that they're 
kind of asking for there's a template mm-hmm. that you have to follow so the protocol stage actually took quite a long time um traditionally Cochrane reviews in the past maybe are a bit more suited to kind of drug trials and yeah. um, things with quite clear definitions um and i'm sure we can talk about it a bit more <laughs> but the, the variables as such we were dealing with in this review was not click at um right. definitions so protocol kind of went back and forth quite a lot and there was quite a lot of discussion between the team regarding what definitions we were going to use eventually we got there with the protocol and then they approve the protocol and then you complete the actual review. Um, so, yes, you have to kind of go through those stages to get a Cochrane review published. Yeah, well, that's great. I mean, like you mentioned, there's, there's a format and the Cochrane review is certainly held in extremely high regard. You know, those are oftentimes considered the, the higher highest level of, of reviews that we that are conducted and published. So obviously the thoroughness in which you which you conducted in terms of the publication side is quite extensive as to what's written there. So that's that's excellent. So let's 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 dig into it a little bit. So again, that just for our listeners, a reminder: the the title of the of the Cochrane review is "Running Shoes for Preventing Lower Limb Running Injuries in Adults," uh, and the lead author is Nicola Ralph, who's our guest today, and she, uh, her co-authors are included in the citation, which we will list on the download website along with the podcast. Uh, so you'll be able to access the abstract link directly. So maybe let's just start with when you're compiling your protocol, um, obviously one of the things that's key with any systematic review is determining what are your inclusion criteria for the, the references or the papers that you are going to include uh, in your review. So what, what did you settle on for those? Yeah, so uh, Cochrane, obviously, I don't know, it's obvious, but um, it kind of it keys your randomized control trial as a study design. Um, so you, they, they are branching out a little bit and looking at different types of study designs, but Traditionally, a Cochrane review only includes randomized controlled trials. You can include quasi-randomized controlled trials. So there may have been a slightly different approach to randomization, but um, quasi-randomized controlled trials and then cluster randomized controlled trials are included as well. So that's the first thing. And that and that's probably one of the inclusion criteria that um, actually caused us to exclude quite a lot of biomechanical research because yeah. a lot of biomechanical research is, is observational. Um, comparison stuff Um, so you might get load of runners into the lab and do loads of really amazing measurements but then the runners are gone and that's the paper so um randomized control trial is the is the key thing really um and then we get on to the more tricky um definitions of inclusion criteria a runner um so again we try to think about what is a definition of a runner. Um, so you ask the guys that are coming down to the couch to 5K and they wouldn't even identify as a runner, even though they're running three times a week because they've just yeah. started. And then you've got all the way up to kind of marathon runners, ultra runners. So we, we this is where we spent quite a lot of time defining, are we going to put like a time definition on you have to have been running for this amount of time or cover this many miles a week and we wanted to try and capture as much as we could so in the end we just actually said there's no there's no agreed consensus on what a runner is so anyone that publishes a randomized control trial and says we included runners they were going to be included we said instead of trying to think of something that would exclude let's just leave it really really broad um so we did detail how runners were defined in the actual review but for the protocol we just said anyone that said that 
they'd included runners. And then we moved on to the running shoe, which was the intervention, and we had exactly the same problem. Um, <laughs> so again, uh, we obviously know there's kind of motion control features in running shoes and there's cushioning features. So motion control is something that tries to keep your foot in a certain position and cushioning is obviously trying to help with the impact forces and reduce those. But then when you actually, again, start to look at the papers, there's lots of different variations mm -hmm. of, of running shoes. So we broadly said we think that we we thought we were going to get kind of neutral cushioning shoes motion control shoes stability shoes which is kind of running shoes that combine both of those features and then obviously we have minimalist shoes as well which kind mm -hmm. of don't have any or they claim to have no significant kind of feature in there to reduce injuries as such right. it's more about kind of your actual just natural foot positions mm -hmm. so those were the kind of four areas but again we just didn't have a very clear definition of what they were we said mm -hmm. anything that the author defined as a running shoe um and kind of in the protocol stage we said anything and then we deal with it at the review stage and and actually look at what we could find so yeah very tricky to get that inclusion criteria um because the participants on the intervention had no clear um kind of definition at the moment so yeah that took a little bit of time we did try um and go for like let's just include this type of running shoe or let's just yeah, include this type of runner but it would have kind of excluded a lot of studies yeah for sure i would i would imagine the yellow one that probably raised a little bit of discussion as well as what's a running injury you know that's yeah. one that's that's that a lot of people have struggled with and certainly there's no there's very little consistency in the literature you know there is a, a consensus definition of late for running injury but many of those papers that you probably looked at may have been published before that consensus uh, came yeah, out so exactly yeah. and again it, we 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 did have that i think it was um yamato uh, mm -hmm. in 2015 there was like a delphi paper and right. everyone kind of agreed that this was going to be the definition of what a running injury was uh and interestingly papers even published after that date right. <laughs> that definition um right. so although there's obviously some fantastic work gone into that paper delphi paper takes loads of time and uh -huh. you know the experts and everything and um doesn't seem to have been picked up by everybody although it's along the right lines, like everyone's used a definition, but I think you're right. When you want runners to record their own injuries, right? that's going to bring in a lot of variability. And obviously you would, the gold standard kind of way would be getting a, you know, a physician or a health professional, physio, somebody to come and, and actually diagnose that injury. Yeah. But um, what it kind of brings this philosophical question of what is an injury to people does it have to be diagnosed by a professional can it just be that somebody says oh this hurts and yeah you know, exactly um, we, we had one of our guests from uh several episodes back Everett Verhagen has done a nice work showing very similarly that you know what what as a, as a medical professional we might consider to be an injury a runner may not consider an injury you know it's uh, for them you know pain versus an injury are two different things oftentimes so yeah your point is exactly well taken what 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 constitutes an injury to the runner yeah yeah and i think runners are probably some of the um worst athletes uh, <laughs> um, carrying on running when they feel right. something anyway you know it doesn't necessarily mean that it prevents them from from continuing and so even yeah. if you said something like it stops you from running you can't guarantee that they're not running with an injury anyway so right right um, exactly again we just went with saying whatever the definition was in the papers that we included we were gonna we were gonna you know gonna look at um, and yeah. go with yeah
Oh, that's great. So obviously a lot of thought goes into the structure of it because you want to be able to have as much of a, of a homogenous finding as you can, right? You don't want to be grouping things that ultimately are apples and oranges. But in this space, there, like you said, there's not a lot of consistency, a lot of, a lot of, not, a, not a lot of consensus on certain ways to approach it. So your approach makes absolute sense to me. Okay, so let's get to some of the key findings because I know we've, there's a kind of a, a staggered list of, of evidence or uh, findings that you, that you took away from it so hit it give us a shot <laughs> <laughs> okay so how Cochrane reviews generally work again is you make comparisons between two interventions is normally yeah. what happens so again traditionally it's like a drug trial where one person has the drug and one person yeah. or group has a placebo um so again then a lots of discussion around what would be the placebo or what is the control right. group and what is the footwear of intervention um and with discussion between the group and the authors we kind of went with the intervention was the shoe type with the most amount of um design features that would have theoretically reduced an injury so within those kind of groups um with the obvious comparison the first comparison we looked at was a neutral cushioned running shoe which kind of tries to reduce impact forces versus mm. the minimalist running shoe because theoretically it makes sense that if you've got some sort of kind of protection or padding or whatever it is cushioning in the trainer that should reduce your injuries right because you've got some reduced impact forces versus a minimal issue that's got nothing at all or very little uh, so that's the first comparison and we didn't find any reduction um, so the risk ratio was not significant there was no difference between those two types of running shoe then we looked at motion control versus neutral cushioned and again that was the assumption that motion control run issues have more preventative features than a mm -hmm. neutral cushioned no significant um difference for the uh, risk ratio again um <laughs> i'm sensing we, a theme <laughs> there was a theme you'll get the theme yeah as i move through um then we had a, a actually one a type of shoe that we hadn't kind of defined in the protocol uh, a, a couple of studies looked at soft and hard running shoes that's how they defined it so because we said we'd just use the definitions that were provided we didn't try and then and then put them into a group we kept yeah. them as soft and running soft and hard running shoes it's basically the the um, amount of midsole that the trainers had the, the running yeah. shoes had so they compared soft and um, soft and hard and it was the same kind of, of author group um, that was doing that and again we didn't find um, any significant difference between soft and hard we did then we looked at stability versus not neutral or cushion again no difference with those uh, we did find a difference when we were comparing motion control running shoes to stability but kind of the big um, asterisk on that is that there was only one study involved uh, in that yeah. comparison so the one study had found a significant yeah. difference and they found that um, the stability running shoe had got less injuries than the motion control. Um, so we did find some significant there, but again, it was only on one study. Yeah. So yeah. it's kind of not really meta-analysis there. Um, so they were the groups where we compared one type of running shoe to another type of running shoe. And then we had um, quite a lot of, in terms of participants anyway, we had quite a lot of data on prescribing shoe type so the other thing we wanted to look at again you can go into a running shop running shoe shop and get your foot measured and then they say oh you'll be better off having this type of running shoe um so 
NAPIC had done lots of um, studies, but on a military population. So these are people that are doing um, standard mm-hmm. training before they join one of the armed forces in, in the States. So lots and lots of numbers, which was good because it kind of gives it a little bit more um, power maybe. But again, um, the result kind of very similar. No difference whether you got prescribed the right shoe is is how they would you know say so um versus if you didn't get prescribed a shoe you just got given a general running yeah. shoe and that was a, probably a little bit more of a, um, a controlled environment there because they were all kind right. of doing the same right. amount of running yeah of course they might have been doing additional running outside of it because they were all on the same training training program you could sort of be a little bit more confident that the running was fairly consistent that they yeah. were doing so uh, but no like, there. Yeah. So if we go back to this running shoe types, so let's let's leave the foot posture and and, and running mm-hmm. shoe prescription on the side for a second, and let's just talk about the types of running shoes. It seems when you compared one type of shoe to the next, largely there was no real no real effect in terms of of injury reducing uh, abilities. How? How strong is that conclusion? I mean, was it was it clearly that there was no effect, or was it more that maybe the evidence is is just um, early to be able to make that conclusion? Yeah, I think we need to be careful about saying that yes, there's that you know footwear or running shoes definitely do not reduce your injury because I think the evidence that we looked at was um, very kind of we call it low evidence or very okay. low evidence um, or certainty little or no certainty so at present i would just say that there's probably not enough evidence out there um, to really conclude um about whether these this foot these footwear does reduce injury for a for a meta-analysis we didn't have a lot of events which is what Mm -hmm. you need to um to have some strength Mm -hmm. in these meta-analyses you need fair amount of events so the event in this in this paper was obviously getting injured you don't yeah. you don't want runners to obviously you don't want loads of runners to have loads of injuries but for a meta-analysis you kind of do mm-hmm. um so it is relying on uh, a number of rcts out there and the number of events that happen mm-hmm. um so i think at the moment you're right we just don't have enough evidence to kind of be really confident or really certain in our conclusions yeah. Although then I, then I look at some of the work that, that NAPIC's done with prescribing running shoes based on footwear. And while you're right, there's probably a handful of papers. I think there's three independent research pools that contributed to that conclusion, but it's, I want to say it's at least 10,000 individuals that were part of it. So all in the military. So strong numbers, strong injury numbers. Um so that, that one, I, I feel like there's a little more strength behind that conclusion that prescribing footwear based on foot posture doesn't seem to to be worth it. Yeah, and I think you're right. I mean, that's probably the strongest, like you say, pooling of evidence there because of the yeah. sample sizes that they have. And as I said before, a little bit more control over what was actually happening in terms right. of the running um, and control over wearing the footwear and things like that. But yeah, so we do have um, maybe a little bit moderate certainty evidence there for the prescription that it doesn't fr- reduce the amount of injury. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that's, I don't know if probably listeners are aware, but it's all, I think foot posture mainly based on pronation and supination right. and neutral foot positions at the moment. So there may even be some questioning about whether we're measuring the foot properly there and whether pronation is the thing that we should be looking at or whether we should be looking at other movements within the mm-hmm. foot. So a little bit more certainty on the prescription one for sure. Mm-hmm. So 
if we go back to your original impetus for this line of work, which was that runners in your research were asking you questions about what yeah. footwear they should wear. How do yeah. you answer them now? <laughs> uh, very carefully is how I answer it now. Um, yeah, I kind of say, so I think the only thing we can do really is comfort, isn't it? Um, yeah. There's obvious things like blisters and um, you don't want to be keeping wearing the the, the running shoe if you're getting loads of blisters and it's preventing you from running in this group that we're looking at we really want them to carry on running so if anything is putting them off um even if they've spent 100 pounds on these shoes and mm-hmm. they've been told that they're the right ones for their feet if they're not comfortable then don't wear them and um i mean we also have runners that turn up and they have got like converse on and you know just very no no kind of support on their foot at all and seem to be okay so right, right. um I think I answer it very carefully and just say how do how are you feeling in the ones that you've got and if you're not having any problems at the moment I'd stick with them because these guys aren't going to be looking at kind of getting sub two hour marathons or anything like that that you know we want them to just be happy and enjoying the movement at the moment so it would be different I think if it was a it was a professional runner obviously mm-hmm. um but um I don't have much contact with those yeah. Well, then I think your point is valid, right? Because these are our beginning runners that you're working with. These are novice runners. So they don't necessarily have um, a particular shoe that they have been using frequently to run in. And so the, the other issue that always comes up is changing running shoes and changing the type of running shoe. And is that a catalyst for an injury? Um, and while your your systematic review doesn't address that directly, that's, that's one I think that we do have to be a little more cautious about because you switch from a shoe with one with a, a an extent of of certain features to an extreme to the other end without taking any sort of a gradual process for that transition or or conditioning of the body to get ready for that transition, you may end up with some abrupt short-term injuries that can set in. Yeah, for sure. And, and, you know, maybe if we'd done this review 10 years ago, the minimalist shoe would have even featured. Um, But obviously now, well, it it kind of was popular for a little bit. I'm not sure it's as popular as it was. but um, yeah, exactly. If you have kind of runners that are very used to motion control shoes or neutral cushion and have had lots of mm-hmm. um, things in their shoe, in mm-hmm. their running shoe to go to, from that to not at all and possibly having to change from heel strike to toe strike and lots of potential issues going on there. And uh, yeah. there was um, there was an abstract that we didn't include um, because it didn't have uh, much detail or data in there. I can't remember who the author was, but they'd actually looked at that about, um, they'd looked at changing the footwear based on what activity you were doing. Mm-hmm. So you can buy all these different types of, of trainers now, whether you're a running trainer or a working out trainer or different types. Yeah. And they, they actually compared that don't think they found anything um but we couldn't include it because yeah it was only an extended abstract and we couldn't actually get the data that we needed but so there's there's something there to be done as well there's we need more evidence on that in terms of not going from one extreme footwear to another but maybe just mixing up if you're trail running or if you're running on the treadmill or if you're um, running outside on track and things it's just Mm -hmm. seeing what you might need so in in our last minute or so in can you give us a kind of a brief look into some future ongoing research that you have happening? Yeah, um, 
obviously ongoing working with the novice runners and enjoying that um we would love to do a randomized control trial in this area and pick up some of those recommendations um but i wouldn't want to go full throttle into a randomized control trial until we've maybe sorted out some of the definitions because then i would just be repeating the papers that we've got here which are great papers but i still have those issues with consensus around so i think the group are talking about seeing if we can look at getting consensus on shoe designs um consensus on that running injury or certainly trying to pick up uh the yamato injury um injury Mm -hmm. definition and and see if we can use that um and also yeah how we're measuring injuries and making sure if we were going to do a randomized control trial we might even have uh, a runner defined injury and then a separate kind of injury measure that's backed up with um from like a physio or yeah. a physical therapist or something so we don't yeah we'd love to do a randomized controlled trial but we'd like to sort of think about some of those issues mm-hmm. that were raised before we went into that um, makes sense yeah well that's great well that's, that's a lot of work for you that'll keep you yeah. certainly be busy <laughs> <laughs> definitely <laughs> Well, thank you so much, Nicola, for joining us today. Really appreciate your thoughts and your insights into the into the issues. No problem at all. It was lovely to speak to you. Yeah, you as well. Well, that brings us to the end of today's podcast. On behalf of my co-host, Jeremy Stoker, we'd like to thank you for tuning in. And as a reminder, don't forget to subscribe to us on iTunes. Remember to check back for updates on the 2023 Mountainland Running Summit at summit.mlrehab.com. Uh, save the date and follow up information on agenda and speakers will be coming shortly. As always, you can find more information on all the running medicine resources offered by Mountainland Physical Therapy at mlrehab.com run. We'll see you next time. This podcast is intended for educational and entertainment purposes only. Exercises that are safe and appropriate for some people may not be for you. No treatment program should be undertaken without first consulting your physical therapist or physician. The contents of this podcast is protected under United States copyright laws and may not be reproduced, redistributed, transmitted, displayed, published, or broadcast without prior written permission of Mountainland Physical Therapy.